Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't think you understand what we're trying to, trying to sing tonight. That we're not just here for a normal service. That we're not just claiming these words mildly tonight. But we are claiming that Jesus has never lost a battle. He will always be victorious. And if we could believe that here tonight, that we could claim victory, not just for our life, but for our families, for our situations, for our nations. There is nothing that Jesus has not already won in our lives. It is up to us tonight to grab a hold of it. If we would be willing to claim victory tonight, I think we can do one more chance here. I feel the enemy, he's trying to steal some things from you tonight. I feel it deeply in my spirit that he's trying to creep in right now. He's trying to take away your victory. I feel at times we just, we just let him sweep in, we let him come in. He is a, he is a thief. He is a liar, and all he wants to do is to come in and steal away what God has already promised you. So I think what we should do is I think we should give the Lord all that we have in this moment right now. We need to break through this spiritual darkness. We need to break through what he's trying to influence right now in this place. In your lives, we need to break through it. We need to cry out that name. We need to cry out that victory. Jesus. Jesus, Lord. Jesus, there's no one like you, Lord. Jesus, there is no one like you, Lord. God, you are undefeated, Jesus. God, we look to you tonight, God. You are the author. You are the finisher of my faith tonight, Jesus. God, move in this place here tonight, Jesus. God, we cast out every wicked thing the enemy's trying to speak to us tonight, God. Everything he's trying to distract us from tonight, Jesus. God, that we're here in your presence. And where your presence is, anything is possible, God. God, so we believe it tonight, God. God, that you are with us tonight, Jesus. In your name, Lord, the enemy has to flee. God, we believe it here tonight, Jesus. God, that you have all authority over this service, God. This church, this is your body. This is your church, Jesus. We're here for your presence, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I feel some of you are still working through some things. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's no rush tonight. There's no rush tonight, church. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have your Bibles here tonight. We're going to turn to two scriptures 
to begin. I know God's not done or through with this church tonight. But if you could turn to John chapter 18, verse 36. I give honor to our pastor and I echo what Brother Rico has said is that we need to be sensitive to the Lord in these days and this time. I feel that he is wanting his church to be positioned for what is to come. And with services like that, there's no telling what God can do in the hearts of man. And we need to be ready and prepared in this time. But follow along with me in John chapter 18, verse 36. It says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. We're going to go to the back of the Bible in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. I'll give you a moment. I feel this is a call to the church here in this present hour. It says, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Amen. If you would set your Bibles down, let us just lift our voices one last time. Jesus, we're in your presence, God. God, we're following your lead tonight, Jesus. God, touch us tonight, God. Move in the hearts of us, Lord Jesus, God, that we would be prepared tonight. Help me, Jesus, God. Preach your word tonight, Jesus. Be with us all tonight. We pray this in your precious name, in Jesus' name. Amen. And just like the song, you may be seated, just like the song we sang just moments ago, I've titled tonight's message, I Speak Victory. In the late... Roger Bennett penned a song years ago. It was titled, I've read the back of the book, and we win. The song calls out, if one would read the Bible to the end of the book of Revelation, they would discover the Lord and his church are the ultimate victors in the great cosmic battle. Whatever seemingly defeats and disappointments we may sometimes suffer, in life we can be confident of the ultimate victory through Jesus Christ. There is power in the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says this, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The kingdom of God is an unstoppable force. His disciples would be the salt and the light of the world. Don't be deceived, church. These are not weak substances. In fact, anything that comes in contact with them changes. Daniel characterized the kingdom of God as a huge stone that would crush the kingdoms of this world. And John the Baptist opened the door to a spiritual kingdom, one that was like no other, a kingdom whose creator and caretaker is God, who lacks no power, is not slack in his concerns for his children, 
And he has all authority and is the author of everything that is good. But battles must need to be fought and wars need to take place. But one thing is very clear. There is a kingdom. Hear me now, church. There is a kingdom. That kingdom was not made by man's hands. It was not constructed by man's ideology. It was set before the creation of time and this world. There is a kingdom, and there still is a king. Oh, come on. I don't think you feel me tonight. There is one throne, and there is one king. He holds all dominion, and he holds all power. He's not just any ordinary king, as Scripture would tell us in Revelations chapter 17 and 14. It says, they will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Thrones, dominion, war. These are prominent themes throughout Scripture. If we were to explore a little bit throughout the Bible, for instance, in the conclusion of Daniel's 21 days of mourning, an angel visited him to reveal what would happen to Daniel's people in those latter days. The angel had been delayed coming to Daniel for these 21 days because the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him. And this angel also anticipated when he was to leave Daniel, he would once again have to fight against this prince of Persia and also the prince of Greece. The only help he would receive was from Michael, a chief prince, as scripture would call him, who was also Daniel's prince, so probably indicating Michael was the prince of Israel. Isaiah also described the Lord as putting on a breastplate of righteousness and a helmet of salvation. This military term suggests the need for a preparation for battle. Paul used this language in discussing the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. This warrants that we as Christians here today, we need to have an understanding of spiritual warfare. And Paul also pointed out that our weapons of this warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The warfare theme concludes near the end of the book of Revelation when Christ, who judges and makes war in righteousness, will return to strike the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And then the beast and the kings of the earth and all their expected kingdoms and their armies will gather together to make war against the returning Christ. And Satan's final act of rebellion against God will occur when following his release from the bottomless pit after 1,000 years of imprisonment, he will gather God's enemies once, to, once again together and surround the city of Jerusalem. But fire from heaven will destroy the enemies of God and the devil will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Church mankind has witnessed we have, over the thousands of years we've been in this war, this world, we have seen much warfare. We have seen much loss, and at times, it may look like the enemy has had his share of wins. And as time goes on, the faithful Christian, it seems to be faced with an uphill battle. Though let's be clear tonight, 
Let not our perspective be clouded. Jesus has never lost a battle. He has never suffered defeat. There is not one plan of the enemy he has not overcome, not a move he was surprised by. He has written the book on victory. Not just for this world, but for the world to come. He is victorious. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 says this, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. We who are the church, we are the body of Christ, we are not called to defeat. We're not called to an end of uncertainty. We're not called to an end of loss or despair. For we, if we abide in his hope, we shall be lifted up as if wings on eagles. We shall renew our strength. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not faint. And we who dwell with him in the secret place and rise up each day to the praise of his glory, we are meant to live a life of victory. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that, I, that has overcome the world, which is our faith. But I understand, it's not always easy to see the wins. Sure, it may seem like we can live a life of victory when we're on top of the mountain. When the checkbook is full, when the pantry is stocked, when our kids are living for God, when their struggles have seemed to surpass past us, when every conversation comes to an agreement, when our marriage is doing well, when our good health and our families are not caught up in other situations of life. But John chapter 16 and 33 says that God is the author of peace, but yet we will still see tribulation in this time. It says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the NLT, it says this, instead of tribulation, it says, in the earth you may have many trials and many sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This word, this word overcome here means to conquer, as if a king was to conquer in battle. Victory is not just found in the ups of life, though, or the joys found throughout it. That which we face, that which we war against, church, is not a kingdom of this world. Tribulation is a thing of this world. Sorrow is a thing of this world. Trials are a thing of this world. But only through peace can we have true victory through Jesus Christ. We don't want to stop at the edge of happiness and at the successes of what we can achieve here in this world. Jesus has called us to join him in victory. In Luke chapter 11, Starting at verse 21, it says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him, overcomes him, 
He takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me, this is Jesus speaking, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. You see, we often treat the winnings and our victories as trophies of what we have accomplished here in this world. But we must be careful we do not lose focus on the kingdom of God. If we try to see the winnings of our, of our victories in this world alone, we lose touch of what Jesus Christ has already overcome to bring victory to our whole lives. And like the stronger than man, we often take back the spoils of victory. And we divide them up and we set them up for us to look at. Don't worry, I'll get you there. I see your faces tonight. The battles, the battles of the Bible refer to the spoils of war. They would be gathered up in victory, carried back to the kingdom. They may even be paraded around as a sign of power and strength. Many of the nation's kings would even set up a side chamber with trophies and trinkets that would show of their accomplishments, of the things that they won and their victories. Sometimes it would be livestock, it would be food, weapons, armor, gold, and silver. And the opposing nation would even at times need to serve the victor. At one time, the Philistines had captured one of the greatest spoils of war, the Ark of the Covenant. It would speak of their power and their might, their ability to conquer and overcome those who opposed them. Victory in warfare was never without its losses, though many soldiers, those faithful to the king, would not come home. The innocent would fall at the hands of others. Some king's intent was to completely wipe out a neighboring nation. But just think of that, retaining all of the possessions, all of the things from another nation, and marching that through your gates. Parading that before the people, the spoils of war. It would speak of your power. It would speak of your dominion. It would speak of the things that you've overcome against the enemy. It would speak of your victory. But you see, herein lies the problem. Victory in the eyes of the battle alone can only be measured in the spoils of war. It was measured in the things that were taken away from the other kingdoms. Victory came at a price versus what was lost versus what was gained. It was a battle for dominion, a battle for power. At what cost would it be worth? Whatever was possessed, whatever was able to be brought into the kingdom needed to speak to the growing dominion and the growing power of that nation. He needed to speak of victory. And we shouldn't deceive ourselves today. We still wage war in the spiritual. We wage war to this day. The battle is set before us. One that began long, long ago. It's a war between the forces of God and those that side with Satan. 
He is a fallen angel. He fell because he saw himself like God. He desired to create his own kingdom. He desired to create his own kingdom, opposing the very nature and dominion of his creator. And let me tell you this, church, he is still falling. He is in a losing battle. His end has already been declared. We may not realize once we answered the call of God, once we realized our fallen state, when Jesus chose us, we have been preparing ourselves for the kingdom battle. This battle, it's one of a different set of rules, concepts, and strategies. Yes, we, we still have weapons and we have, we have armor and there are strongholds and towers and there are rulers. But the stakes are simple. As we know, the enemy is a loser. He will have his end. But what lies in the balance, though, is what, up, what is up for grabs is you and it is me. It is the souls of all of mankind. And if the enemy would have any way to steal victory, and that's all he is able to do because he is a thief and he is a liar. He has no permission or power in himself to be able to overcome and or conquer anything in your life. Though if we were to give in to his same nature. If we were to believe it is possible for us to achieve something on our own. If we were to begin to set up our own kingdoms, our lives would remain in the balance. So saying that, there are still victories and there are still defeats. There are losses and there are still the spoils of war. We have the choice to fight. For it is either for one kingdom or it is for the other. Either you stand with the Lord or you don't. With war, there will be sacrifice, there will be tribulation, and there will be loss. And the world will do all it can to gain and to prosper off of the spoils of others. You see, victory in the world's eyes is only to succeed. It's to increase yourself. To be victorious means you have something to show from your efforts. There's a worldly prize to obtain. What do you show for your efforts? What spoils of war did you come away with? If you're winning, you have something. You have something to show for it. You can see that in every investment in the financial world. It's measured by a gain in profit. Every promotion in the working world is accompanied by an increase in wages. Every business that is excelling is returning an increase in profit. Prosperity is found in large homes and vehicles and weekends of recreation. Victory is measured in the spoils of life. But let me remind you, church, that we do not measure what we gain here in this world. Nothing we obtain here, no prize, no trophy, anything we bring into our own storehouses matters in the kingdom of heaven. 
In fact, Mark 8, chapter 8, verse 35 and 36 says it pretty plainly. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? In John chapter 3, verse 30, he must increase and I must decrease. Let me transition here just for a moment after I get my water open. This is hard to do. It's... Victory is not always measured in the gain and carrying our victory trophy through the door. It's often found in the things unseen, the riches that pile up in the coffers of heaven and the storehouses for the kingdom. Jesus, as he kneeled in the shadow of the olive tree as his disciples slept, he began to weep and he began to cry over that which he knew was to come. He desired for it to pass, but as he took on all the sins of the world, and as it began to crush the physical man, as blood began to come out of his very pores, every thought in that moment was on you. And as the enemy, the one who would have enmity between mankind and God, would start to claim victory in that moment as he began to influence Judas. As the soldiers would come from the authority of the courts, Peter's frustration would rise as he tries to fight with that which is in front of him, a soldier. The disciples scatter. Peter tries to hide among a crowd, and then he denies Jesus. All accounts rise against the Lord. They handle him as a prisoner, as one spreading lies, He's taken to be ridiculed, presented before the masses, placed lower than one who has committed murder, and the crowd cries, crucify him. It would seem that which Jesus was here for, to return the kingdom back to Israel, was quenched. It ended. He was taken back to be cursed, spit on, beaten, and scourged. He was mocked as the king of the Jews. It would seem victory was afar off. There was no hope for Jesus and the church. The enemy had won. Everything that was done, everything that was gathered, achieved, everything that came to pass up until that moment, the disciples, the power of God on earth, the kingdom would cease. Victory was unattainable. So it's here that in these moments, that's when we wait. We begin to stop praying. We stop moving forward. We stop pushing. And the enemy would have you believe you have lost this battle. Whether it be a healing that has not been received, a loved one 
who has not been saved for the prodigal. Mary didn't see it as Jesus came to Lazarus' tomb. She knew life continued on in the kingdom of heaven. She did not see the possibility of victory then. But the scripture says the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Sometimes victory is in the things we cannot see. It's the things we think are impossible. If we would believe here tonight that the dead of Christ could still rise today, that those who are bound by addictions and troubles of this world, that they could be let free. Victory in the name of Jesus. Just hold on here. But even after moments like that, when you have prayed and you have fasted, yet nothing when freedom is still taken away. When all you have desired and hoped for goes unanswered. Daniel desired freedom from bondage. She prayed, he fasted. Where was his victory? The price to pay for his consecration to God was further defeat. Not just silence from God, but convicted and thrown to his death in a den of lions. This was it, defeat, face to face with his end. But scripture says, a bruised reed shall not break and a smoking flax shall not be quenched till he send forth judgment unto victory. And for the Lord remains victorious. In all things they bow to his command because even the mouths of the lions, as we know, could not move. And the king, the king, cries down and says, Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thy service continually able to deliver thee from the lion. And Daniel looks up. He looks up and he says, O king, live forever. And in that moment, we can see that Daniel, through his circumstance, when he was faced with things, when his fate seemed sealed, there was no escape. His destiny was impassable. Oftentimes we find ourselves in these situations where there would be a great wall, a great mountain that stands before us. We can't see past it. We can't see what God has already put on the other side for us if we would hold true to the promise. And Daniel, in this moment, when he was faced with these insurmountable odds, we and ourselves here today, like Daniel, need our faith to speak and say, Who are you, great mountain, that you shall not bow before the Lord? Jesus has never lost a battle. And when we see this take place, not just in this moment, it wasn't a victory just for Daniel. But in this time, we hear that the king makes a decree. 
And that decree was that every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He is steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one who shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers, he rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lion? Victory. In the name of Jesus. But even after victory comes, sometimes we struggle to believe what is possible. At Jericho, after the walls crumble, Joshua faces a moment in which the children of Israel commit a trespass and retain something that was to be left alone. The spoils of war. And just Joshua, just trying to move the kingdom forward, he still tries to attempt to overcome the enemies at Ai. Every attempt was thwarted. Defeat and then retreat. Defeat and then retreat. So what does Joshua do? He falls to his knees, confused and desperate. And he says, alas, Lord, God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? In Joshua chapter 7, verse 7. To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us, so that we would be content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? And the Lord answers in verse 10. He says, get up. Why? Do you lie thus on your face? Destroy the accursed. Sanctify the people. Sanctify yourself. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the cursed from among you. See, at times, sometimes we have idols that have already found their way into our lives and they're set up. And we need to have them removed until we repent, until that is made before the Lord. Victory is only but in reach. We need to destroy the influence of the enemy. We need to come back to the altar of repentance. We need to cast things in our life aside. That anything that exalts itself above God, that we would tear it down. Victory is not attainable until we remove that which separates us from Jesus. And then the Lord said to Joshua, take all the people of war with you, arise and go up. I have given, you, given into your hand the king, his people, his city, and his land. Every enemy conquered, every stronghold is brought down. we choose to look at victory in the jaded, shadowed perspective, as the enemy does, the facade of defeat, it's the only thing that seems to be before us. We cannot see it, but God has called us to choose victory. Church, God has called us to choose victory. Victory is not just in the narrow view of a single moment, 
in our life, in a single situation or a certain circumstance, victory is found in our pursuit. When we pursue Jesus, we are choosing victory. We are speaking victory. I'm going to have the musicians come up. And if you could just play for a moment. I still feel that there's something here tonight that we need to work through. When things look downward, that the battle is shifting in the enemy's favor at times, we feel that, that when victory seems so far out of our reach, that everything we face, everything we do, everything we pray for, everything we seek after, everything we call out to for the Lord seems to go unanswered. But that's when victory comes through our passion. It comes through the power of the name and if we continue to pursue, if we continue to pray, and we continue to praise, if we would speak victory. Church, it's a shift in our perspective, a change in our focus. Victory is not just found in this life, though God would provide. We must remind ourselves it's all about the kingdom of God. We don't wrestle against flesh. We don't wrestle against blood, but it's against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of this darkness, darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Victory is a kingdom principle. It's a kingdom mindset. Victory happens because we know what we fight for and who we fight beside. We may face hardship and we may face loss, but we continue to pursue. We get back up when we fall. We persevere through pressure. We persevere through persecution. We may grow weary, but we faint not. We may face temptation and if sin tries to make its way in, we slam the door in its face. The enemy taunts, he tries to deflate we tries to get us to fall for his deception. Yet we will choose as a church to rise up and we will choose as a church to move forward for the Lord. If we could stand tonight. we could just settle within our spirit tonight. If we could just bow our heads in this moment. Church, we are called to victory. If we would respond here tonight. The battle, the battle is before us. The fight is before us. It's how we respond here. It's how we respond now. The kingdom of God 
regardless will be victorious. But as he hung there, Jesus on the cross, as every weight of sin was upon his body, as he was crushed in his flesh, when many thought this was the end, the end of the movement, the end of the way, that death would have concluded the story. Many lingered, many wandered, they questioned what just happened. But in a flash, and as the earth began to quake, the temple, it shook. And in that moment, and in that moment of time, every preconceived thought of who this man was ceased. And when the enemy thought suffering, when he thought pain, and he thought death would be the end, Jesus had the victory. I'm here to encourage you tonight that every prayer that you pray, every moment you turn against the enemy, every time you resist sin, as you die daily, every tear, every weight that you bear, every circumstance you walk through, every Bible study you fight for, every difficult situation, as you fight for your marriages, as you fight for the salvation of your children, this is victory. Victory against principalities. It is victory against the enemy. Strongholds are collapsing. Territories are brought back into the kingdom. Declare victory. Declare victory, church. Declare victory. Oh, Jesus. We tear, declare victory tonight. We tear down strongholds, Lord. We speak victory into every life, into every family, into every situation, every nation. Victory in your name, in the name of Jesus. If we could respond here tonight, if we could make our way down, if we could grab a hold of someone tonight. I feel we are all facing different things in our life tonight. Many things that we are dealing with, circumstances, life, if we have struggles in our families, if we have situations we are fighting for. Tonight is a night to declare victory. Declare victory over everything, everything that might face depressions, anxiety, anything that we are coming against tonight, we pray victory over that tonight. Oh, church, that we would speak victory tonight. Victory in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the name of Jesus. 